What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, we're continuing play in madness, the most important week of the Blazers season, which they are not directly involved with, marched on on Wednesday evening as the New Orleans Pelicans won their play-in game against the San Antonio Spurs and advance to a winner-take-eighth showdown Friday against the Los Angeles Clippers. It's just the single most important game of the Blazers' season, and their role in it is spectator. (laughs) Much like you, dear listener, the Blazers can do nothing but watch and hope. Here's why it's important. You already know, but just for posterity... The Blaze, the Pelicans owe the Blazers a first round pick that only conveys to Portland if the if New Orleans misses the playoffs. If they win Friday, they make the playoffs. The Blazers do not get their pick, and the Blazers will be will be left with taking a 2025 first round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks that will complete the CJ McCollum to New Orleans swap completed prior to the deadline this year. If the Blazers have two first-round picks, they are armed with a summer to retool, reshape, and perhaps quickly rebuild this their roster into a competitive team. If they don't, if the Pelicans make the playoffs, the Blazers do not have uh, another top-10 pick to trade or a lottery pick to trade or draft a, a young player that can help the team. It drastically hurts them. Uh, not only is 2025 a long way away, but the, the Milwaukee Bucks are just very likely to be good. Uh, it's... The future of the Blazers in, ter- in, the, in the near term and in some ways maybe the long term, because what they do this summer will, will you know dictate a lot of what the long term is, hinges on Friday's game. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't it have been easier if the Spurs won? Uh, maybe a little, a little bit of less juicy content for your boy, but I think m- more uh, less less stress for you, dear listener. Uh, but. A fun game on Friday night. Let's talk about how we got here. Pelicans beat the San Antonio Spurs 113-103 at the Blender. That is Smoothie King Center in New Orleans on Wednesday. CJ McCollum had 32. Brandon Ingram had 27. This game looked like it might be a rout. Uh, CJ McCollum scored 19 of those 27 or of those 32 points in the second quarter. He had 27 at halftime. He was a ball in. Uh, Jose Alvarado hit three threes in the first half. Uh, backup point guard for the Pelicans. They were just looking like they were going to roll with this one. They were led 61-50 at the break, and they stretched that lead to as many as 21 in the third third quarter. Like this game was over. The, it was over. Johnson Murray got in a little bit of foul trouble in the first half. Uh, Spurs' second leading scorer, Keldon Johnson, just couldn't score. He just couldn't, couldn't make any shots. Over five from three. Didn't didn't make a field goal until the fourth quarter. Six of twenty on the night. Uh, that's my boy, Big Body, and Big Body, <laughs> Big Body struggled for sure. But the 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 Spurs made a game of this. They really did. They made a game of this. They made this competitive. Um, I watched this with a friend, uh, and we kind of we we're just chatting, right? Like we kind of checked out. We kind of checked in. Oh, yeah, this game's over. And then all of a sudden, it's like a, it's like oh, 15. Okay, we'll check back in. Okay, 12. And then the Spurs cut the lead to six. With just under five minutes to go, and DeJounte Murray drives baseline from the right corner and flips up a difficult uh, 
difficult reverse layup. Jakob Pertl, Spurs center, almost corrals an offensive rebound. It's a great offensive rebounder. Almost corral the rebound. They don't get it. The Pelicans come the other way. Brandon Ingram hits a fadeaway from the right block. Now they're down eight. Spurs push the other way. They're kind of in scramble mode, you know, under five minutes, and they were trailing by 21. You kind of just run out of steam. DeJounte Murray, again, who didn't play much the first half due to foul trouble, jacks up a deep three on a pull-up, misses a 30-footer. Pels get the board. They methodically get the ball inside to Jonas Valanciunas, and he pivot, 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 and gets a hook shot to roll over the front rim over Jonas Valanciunas, and it's back to a 10-point game, and that was it for the Spurs. Like, that was their push. Dang. And New Orleans could celebrate. CJ McCollum was a freaking great in the first half. Great. Uh, CJ McCollum is, is, I'll keep it a buck. Like, I think he's a little bit overrated as a playoff performer by, like, us, by, by, by folks who follow and, and, and root for the Blazers. Uh, but his bona fides in these single elimination games, like, not elimination games as a whole, but single elimination games, baller. <laughs> he's been very good in the winner take all, you know, game 7 in Denver, uh the the bubble game against the Orleans, against the uh Memphis Grizzlies when he famously yelled, "You can't effing guard me." And tonight, like he just dude was really really good. I don't think the rest of his playoff numbers like match up to that level of efficiency, but when these these winner take all games, he has taken all. He has been really, really good. Um, and he was fantastic tonight. Uh, Brandon Ingram had 13 in the first half. And it didn't. It felt like he had a bad game. Like he was on pace for 25. Felt like he had a bad game. CJ just was nuts. It was nuts. Um, you know, got to the rim when he wanted, got into his pull-ups, hit a couple trail threes in transition. Uh, they just didn't, they didn't really have a plan for him. And once DeJounte Murray got in foul trouble, they really didn't have a plan for him. Like Josh Richardson couldn't handle him and they just didn't quite have enough juice to hang inside. I thought the Spurs, um, they didn't play like a terrible defensive game. They just had a bad middle two quarters on defense. And that was, that was the difference in this one. The Pels are better and they're at home. Like, I don't think this is a surprise in in either direction. I think if you listen to the podcast, uh, previewing this game, it kind of sounded like, well, the Pels are a little bit better, but we'll see. And like the keys to this one were that, like, you know, low turnover team and that your, your stars need to play like stars. Like that's, that's the two boxes you need to check. Well, they checked the low turnovers. They committed six turnovers. The, the San Antonio put themselves in a position, but the, they just couldn't make twos. Uh, you know, they shot they had 13 of 34 from three, but they really, really, really struggled going just uh, 24 of 57 from inside the arc. Like, that's, you got to be better than that if you want to win. And they weren't. Um, they just, they missed a bunch of shots. Kelton Johnson, six of 20. That was a big deal. Jante Murray, five of 19. That was a problem. Uh, no one else really picked up the slack. Like, Lonnie Walker had a nice first half, but didn't keep it going and didn't really play down the stretch. Uh, they just, you know, you need your best players, you need your scores, particularly on a team like like um, San Antonio or individual scores, guys who can actually score on their own, Johnson and Murray to play well. They didn't play well. They didn't shut down the stars enough. Brandon Mingram has 27, CJ has 32, and Jonas Valanciunas, who I identified as the X-Factor, finishes with 22 points, 14 boards, 3 assists, 2 blocks, went 9 of 14 in his 36 minutes. That's it. 113-103. So now the Pelicans move on to face the Clippers. The Clippers, who lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday, get a shot at redemption in their own building. The Crypt. Let's let's talk about how these two teams match up in the second segment. Before we do that, let's talk about betonline.net. 
as it stands right now. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday evening. This is Thursday, April 14th show. The line will likely have moved a little bit, but Clippers minus one and a half right now. Right now, as a look at it, the live line, Clippers minus one and a half, a slight favorites. You can go check more lines, more props, more odds on all of the stuff, and not just the NBA play-in round, but every single sport on betonline.net. So go now, take advantage, have fun, maybe win some money and, and uh, bet with your heart that the Blazers will get to keep their draft pick or bet with... Um, any other organ in your body, whatever you want to do, that's bet online where the game starts. All right. So it's Clippers and it's Pelicans. And that will decide Portland's immediate future. So how do these two teams match up? Let's talk about how these two teams match up. Let's talk about what this is going to look like. During the season series, Pelicans won three out of four games. But because of the nature of these two teams, it isn't exactly perfect. Uh, you know, two of these games happened in November. The Pelicans started 1-12 uh, and 12 and 3-16. and 16. They were very bad. And one of their first three wins in those 19 games came against the, uh, came against the Clippers on uh, November 19th. Uh, they also played on November 29th. Like the two of them, you know, prior to Christmas, prior to the start of December, not, not meaningful. No CJ McCollum on the team. Uh, it's, New Orleans still finding their identity. Obviously, the Clippers have made some changes too. And then these teams play January 13th, but there's no PG in that, no Paul George in that game. Uh, it's The Pelicans rolled in that one, 113-89. So those first three games, um, and I'm not just like dismissing this to blow, you know, to blow smoke and say like, well, the Pels games don't count. They just don't, they count. Like they count. They won the games. They're in the position they because they won the games. It's just not for our purposes, like, how is this going to look? That's what I'm trying to do here. How is this going to look? Those three games don't tell us much. But the fourth meeting, April 3rd in Los Angeles, the Clippers win that game 119-110. They rolled in that one. They hit eight, eight like, here's the difference in that game. The, Pel the Clippers started eight of eight from three. They hit their first eight three-pointers in the first quarter. And they rolled. Like, then they rolled from there. They're up 22 at halftime, and they ended up winning by 19. It's... Uh, it is a make or miss league. They made a, they made the first eight threes. That's pretty much the ball game. But that one was closer to kind of not like what it will look like because I don't know if the Clippers are going to make their first eight threes. Um, if they did, good news for Portland. But it's that was the most like similar to what we will see. Uh, Norman Powell was not available in that game. He did not play for the for the Los Angeles Clippers, but Paul George was there. The starting lineup that started that game for the Clippers will start uh, uh, for them in um, on Friday. The starting lineup that started for the Pelicans in that game with CJ and Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram and Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas, a very good top five. That will they started that game. They will start Friday like. That game is the most comparable. That game is the closest to what it's going to look like Friday. That was three games after Paul George uh, came back from like a 50-game absence. Uh, it was, you know, Brandon Ingram was kind of missing on and off time at the end of the year with the hamstring stuff, and he did not play particularly well in that game. He finished with 15 points on 3 of 11 shooting. CJ McCollum led New Orleans with 19 points on 7 of 18 shooting. But this game was about the, like, the the Clippers just made all their shots. Like they just, 
they had a bunch of dudes score. Terrence Mann had 15. Luke Kennard had 14. Uh, Vita Zubac had 16 and 14. I think he's going to be really key in this game. You know, Marcus Morris had 22. And PG didn't have to be special. He finished with 15 and 7, in, like I said, in just his third game back. You know, if... if at any time, like either of these teams, but particularly the Clippers because they're so deep, like you get 50 points off the bench from this Clippers team, they're going to win. That's it and that's all. Like you don't you don't need to do much more math. Like if you get that type of contribution from Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard, call it, like call it. Like if, if those dudes come, if those dudes score straight up, I'll call it right now. If those dudes score 15 plus, that's your ball game. Like we don't need to, we, really, we won't really need to break it down too much because they'll just win. But I think like, like I said, like that's the most, that's the closest to, to what we will see because it looks kind of like what we'll see on Friday. Uh, the matchups are pretty simple. Herb Jones is going to guard uh, Paul George, and Herb Jones was fan freaking tastic on Wednesday evening against the Spurs. The Spurs don't have like an apex score. Like DeJounte Murray's good and Herb Jones guarded him well. He can he can shapeshift and guard a lot of types of guys. But DeJounte Murray's like a, a nice player. Paul George is a superstar. It's a different assignment. Uh, and I, I think Herb is up to the task. He is, an, he is an excellent defender even as a rookie. Just a straight up excellent defender. I don't know if he's going to make one of the all defensive teams, but he will get votes for the all defensive teams and he is he will probably make one in the future. Like he's great. He is great. He reads he reads off the ball well. He guards on the ball well. He's competitive. He can defend without fouling. He's physical. Like he's 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 one of the very good defenders in this league already in year one. He will get the Paul George assignment to to begin the game. Like uh, you know, like I said when we were doing these um when we were previewing the Spurs Pelicans game. The way the league works now, you don't spend, you know, if you play 36 minutes, you're not gonna spend 34 and a half of them guarding Paul George because like the way schemes work and the way teams hunt mismatches and, and, and hunt switches and all of those things. Like, you know, the, the Pels are going to switch some stuff and Paul George will probably do his best to get Herb Jones off him a bunch uh, because Herb is that good, but that's going to be the primary assignment. And I think like in terms of, okay, Paul George is really hard to guard. Who do we have? Herb Jones is as good an answer for that as you could ask for. Like that's, that's, he's right up there among the best in terms of like, we just need a dude to be a lockdown defender. Herb is right on up there among the best. He is um, even, you know, you can just watch him and know he's great, but he grades out in some of the advanced defensive metrics um, as just an elite defender, like a, a truly elite defender. So I think that is a nice thing for the Pels to have in their back pocket is that, so so many times in these single elimination games, how do we guard their stars comes a little, becomes a little bit tricky, and the Pels check that box immediately. They just they just look down the bench and say, "Herb, it's gonna be Herb. Herb will do it." On the other side, how do how do the Clippers guard CJ and Brandon Ingram? This is pretty simple too. Nicholas Batum gets the primary ball handler assignments. Nicholas Batum will start guarding CJ McCollum. You can book that. I've watched a ton of Clippers games. That's what they do with with Nico is they put him on, um, they put him on the lead guards because that way they can switch pick and rolls and they're not worried about Batum guarding uh, centers. So they they can keep everything in front and and switch and they don't they I mean. Nick Batum has, has, uh, he's, you know, he's become thick Batum a little bit. He can guard up, like he can guard fives, not like every five, he's not gonna guard Joel Embiid or whatever, but I don't think they're worried about the Jonas Valanciunas switch with Nick on him. Like they'll, they'll let him be physical, let him fight through it and let him play. But Nick Batum will guard CJ to begin with. And PG will probably guard BI to begin with. The Clippers switch everything. Um, it's what, it's the magic of the Clippers is that they got a bunch of dudes. They got every wing in the league. Like they got a bunch of dudes who are six, five to six, seven, six, five to six, nine. Like they just, 
They'll roll with it. They'll sometimes play Zubac and drop, but they will just switch everything, even with Big Zoo in there. And I think that's, um, it's just what they do. So I, those are the primary assignments for the Clippers, but it's like the first action that they run, those those assignments will change and, and things will change. Uh, the, the the key for the Clippers, there are, there are two sort of X factors for how the Clippers will win. How does this work out for the Blazers? How does this win, right? I think there's two there's two people to watch. One, Zubac has to be really good. Um, Jakob Pertl is just not an offensive player. I thought he could, I thought he was going to be key guarding Valanciunas and Valanciunas had no problem getting buckets. Valanciunas ate up Zach Collins, quite frankly. Um, and so when when Jakob was in there, they were a little bit better. But Zoo has to be good on defense against JV, and he has to score. Um, he needs to score some points. Zubac is a much, much, much better offensive player than Jakob Pertl. He's a, not as good of a defensive player, but he's a much better offensive player. Um, Zoo is going to be big, and Norman Powell is going to be big. What happened at the end of the of the Clippers' loss to the Timberwolves is that they just needed someone else to go get a bucket. Paul George was fantastic in the third quarter, and then in the final six minutes of that game, their offense just melted down. They need one other person to go be aggressive. Reggie Jackson was not good in the second half. They needed Norm. Uh, that's it's why you go get Norm. Dude's a bucket. Uh, he's a he's a really good offensive player. I mean, he's branded in Portland as a defensive player, but his skill is that he's a really good offensive player. That's what makes Norm special. He's a bucket, smoke face emoji, et cetera, et cetera. Norm is going to be the key. I think Zubac and Norm are going to be the key in this one. Those are my X factors for, for, the, for the Clippers. And, uh, you know, it's Jose Alvarado was great for the Pels. I think he's, he is, you know, he got more minutes than Devontae Graham because um, he's about 200 to maybe 5,000 times better and more competitive on defense than Graham is. And if he's even a mild plus on offense, he's such a huge upgrade over Devontae Graham. Shout out to the Pelicans for trading first round picks to get Devontae a backup on a non-playoff team last year. Uh, like it's... If Jose is that good on offense, they're going to have a puncher's chance because he brings some real energy on defense. And the Pels don't have a ton of depth; like they rely on their their top three scores to go ahead and do it. Herb Jones was great in this game, but he didn't even have a great offensive game. He hit some th- hit some timely threes, but like they won this game because because CJ was so darn good in the first half and Bi got rolling in the third quarter. Uh, that that's still going to be their formula. But if I think Jose Alvarado is to me like a little mini X factor, they're going to need JV to be good again. Here's the irony of this whole situation. Former Blazers will decide the fate of the future Blazers. Let's let's visit that irony. Let's let's wade into those ironic pools to close out the show, but before we do that, I want to tell you about Shady Rays. Shady Rays are an independent sunglass company they are giving you the features of $200 sunglasses, but for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays has a great, just great, fantastic protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, You'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 free meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for my listeners, head to ShadyRays.com. Use the promo code LOCKED on to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code locked on for the best deal of the season. 50% off of two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Still a pass for his point guard. 
still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's go deep into the pools. The season for the Blazers hinges on this game. If the Pelicans win the future of this team, it's not It's like it's not going to ruin the Blazers. I don't want to paint it as that. I don't want to paint it as that. Blazers might still end up with the number one overall pick in the draft and get Jabari Smith Jr. and ride off into the sunset and win multiple championships, right? Like this, it doesn't, it's not going to end hope. It's not going to end hope. I don't want to paint it that way. I I, I think hyperbole sells on the internet. I'm not here to sell that. I'm here to be straightforward with you as best I can, to be honest with you as best I can. But it's going to screw up the plan. <laughs> if Falcons lose, it's going to screw up the plan. Um, Earlier this week, I did a show that you can find in your feeds about Joe Cronin giving the blueprints to the Blazers offseason. The blueprints of Blazers offseason is they're going to get their own lottery pick. Hopefully it gets as high as possible, right? And that's your Jabari Smith Jr. pick. Shout out to shout out to the Auburn Tigers. Then if they get that second pick from the Pels, they're going to trade. They're going to use that pick as trade bait to land a veteran to help this team. They want to be competitive right away. If you do not have that second pick, then you start thinking, do we trade our own pick? Well, rookies are really valuable to good teams. It's really valuable to have a good player on a rookie scale contract. And if the Blazers fancy themselves a good team, how often are they going to pick in the top seven of the draft again or the top nine of the draft again? It's... This might be their only shot for a while unless things really go bad and then they're like in here a bunch, right? But if you only have one top 10 pick, it be, it's not as easy a decision as, yes, let's make this trade for Jeremy Grant, for Christian Wood, for Harrison Barnes, whatever it is, right? It's not that easy. If you have two, it becomes the, the decision becomes much simpler and that's the Blazers' blueprint. Draft a really good rookie with one of the picks, trade the other one, whatever that might be. Maybe you keep the Bells pick and trade and, and trade your own pick. But, but like if you don't have two, you don't have the blueprint. The, cha- the plans change. You are back to the, I guess to continue the analogy, the, the, the drawing board, the literal drawing board, the literal figurative drawing board in this case. But like the blueprint changes. If the Pels win, it's going to screw up the count. (laughs) Don't mess up the count, Pelicans. Don't do it. And the real irony of this whole thing is that the Blazers' future and their risk that they took or the decision that they made to trade C.J. McCollum and build around Anthony Simons or Damon Lord and Anthony Simons moving forward was that they were going to get a pick back and that pick was going to help them replace the production of C.J. McCollum. And when prior to that, when they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers, they were prioritizing financial flexibility. And by that, I mean getting cheaper next season so they would allow themselves to both pay their current free agents and then have a little bit of space, a little bit of wiggle room to go out and upgrade the roster using their exceptions and their potentially their trade exception. And now this plan hinges on their former players making it happen. CJ McCollum in his Pelicans uniform. And then three crucial members of the Clippers are former Blazers. Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and Nicholas Batum. You know, Nicholas Batum starts and is, is in some ways one of the most important players in the Clippers roster for what they ask him to do defensively, uh, for what he's, you know, he's a, a connector on offense and, and a spacer in the corners, and then on defense with those primary ball handler assignments. He's crucially important. You know, you're going to see Batum play 30-plus minutes tomorrow night. And Norman Powell, who I mentioned as an X-factor in that second segment, 
He only took nine shots on Tuesday against the Timberwolves, and he told Andrew Greif of the LA Times, shout out to Greif, shout out to Coos County legend Andrew Greif, that he has to be more aggressive, that nine shots for a guy that is there to be an offensive force is unacceptable. Norm knows that he has to be better, and Norm being better dictates whether the Blazers get someone to be the new Norm. Norman Powell was an upgrade when he got here, and if the Clippers lose, they don't get to replace Norman Powell's production nearly as easily. It's not the end for the Blazers, but it's certainly more challenging. So you gotta root for Nico, you gotta root for Rocco, you gotta root for Norman Powell. You have to. The Blazers' season, in one of the most ironic turns, becomes Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum versus CJ McCollum for the right to replace the production of those very former Blazers. On Friday, they'll decide, and we'll be there to watch them. Well, we won't be there. Some of y'all will probably be there, but I won't be there. I'll be on my couch. We'll decide what's next for Portland. It's not the end of the world. I think I've seen some people, I was, I was making some jokes on Twitter.com and I saw some people freaking out a little bit. I wouldn't freak out too much. I wouldn't freak out too much. I wouldn't do that. But it's worse. <laughs> it's worse. If, if the Pelicans win, it's worse. And the Pels look good. They're built for single elimination stuff with two guys who make tough shots. I think the Clippers are a little bit better team overall, like talent-wise. But... Overall talent, like it doesn't really matter how like how much better your ninth and tenth guy are in these games. You're gonna you're gonna ride and play your stars a whole bunch. And the Clippers had an opportunity to do this on the road and crumbled late in a the game. They've got a chance at redemption, a chance to get back to the playoffs with basically the core of a team that made the Western Conference Finals a year ago. They're good enough to do it. It's just that the Pels are also pretty darn good, and we've seen CJ be on real heaters when these types of games pop up. So here we are, deep in the irony pools, and hoping that it works out for the Clippers. What a world, and that you have to root for the Los Angeles Clippers, a fate wished on very few out there. But that's what it's come to. And if they do it, we'll celebrate it in Monday show. Like I, Friday shows, we're going to do a mailbag and we'll, um, we'll take a spin on the tankathon to kind of uh, start simulating some draft stuff and get, get us into draft mode. We won't know the outcome next time I talk to you. That will have to wait for Monday show and it'll be old news by then. But whoever wins Friday will have already played game one of the playoffs when we record on Monday. So take a deep breath. It's not the end of the world. But it's a challenging one. It is certainly a truly challenging one. We're still going to have fun. Lockdown Blazers rolls on no matter what happens. But shout out to Daryl. Shout out to Clipper Daryl. Shout out to Chris Kamen. Shout out to Darius Miles. (laughs) Shout out to Dan Dickow. Shout out to Bill Walton. And all the other former Blazers turned Clippers. Shout out to Zach Randolph. Shout out to Kenny Anderson. Shout out to... Shout out to Neil Olshay, shout out to Travis Outlaw, all of them, all of them could use help from some old friends and some former Blazers currently wearing Clippers jerseys. Appreciate you listening. Come back soon. We got five. We do these five days a week. We're available wherever you get podcasts. Just tell your friends. Search for Lockdown Blazers. You'll find us. Like I said, appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.